Welcome to this week's edition of the St. Paul Podcast. I'm Peter Marty, Senior Pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church, located in the heart of Davenport, Iowa. Right here each week, you can hear a message to inspire your walk with God and hear beautiful music to fill your life. Let this podcast be your occasion to contemplate some of the deepest things in life, just as I hope it helps faith come alive for you. Friends, it's Megan Eyde here. In our worship time together, we'll celebrate this first Sunday after Easter. We'll center our focus around the story of Thomas, 
or as he is more famously known, Doubting Thomas. As we, you know, put ourselves into Thomas's shoes, I hope you might take some time to reflect on your own questions or doubts or wonderings about faith, as perhaps you too wrestle with this miraculous, incomprehensible idea of resurrection. So let's begin by revisiting the story of Thomas, the other disciples, and the now risen Christ. This comes from the book of John, chapter 20. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the marks of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. That, my friends, is our gospel reading for today. And so now let's take a few minutes to reflect on this together. I'm one of those people who uses social media mainly to keep up with friends that I would otherwise lose touch with. Sometimes that means I have to sift past targeted ads and political rants to find any meaningful content. But it's always worth it when I come across a post from a long-lost peer or family member. Just the other day, I was thrilled to discover this life update from Jacob Upton and his twin brother, now Dr. Jesse Upton. Jacob and Jesse were two of my best friends in elementary school. They were also notorious for having some of the best birthday parties, like this time that they rented out an entire hotel water park. As identical twins, they were very popular, so it was quite an honor to be invited to one of their birthday bashes. Not only were Jacob and Jesse popular and fun, but they were also very smart and clever. 
They knew how to play to their strengths, as well as to their looks. If you knew the twins, you know that Jacob and Jesse almost never dressed alike, except during finals week in high school. <laughs> now, it was no secret to their friends why they did so, because it just so happened that Jacob was particularly gifted in English and history, while Jesse had a knack for math and science. So, not always, but occasionally, for final exams, Jacob would take the English literature test while Jesse took the biology exam. They'd wrap up their classes and they'd finish and walk out of the classroom, wait a few minutes, and then return again to take the exact same test. This time, Jacob posing as Jesse and Jesse as Jacob. And it, it worked out remarkably well. It left the rest of us wishing that we had a twin to conquer high school with, someone whose strengths we could lean on and someone who could assuage our weaknesses and anxieties. Thomas from today's gospel reading was supposedly a twin as well, or at least he was called the twin. The Bible doesn't say exactly who his twin was or if the twins followed Jesus together. No one knows if Thomas and his twin looked and acted alike or if they were the complete opposites of each other. Some scholars even wonder if Thomas indeed had a twin sibling or if his nickname, the twin, referred to maybe a sort of split in his personality or perhaps more accurately, his spirituality. For example, in the story that we read today in the book of John, Thomas had left the disciples. Whether he was on an errand for them or whether he abandoned them after the traumatic events of Jesus' crucifixion, we don't know. John merely explains that Thomas was not with them. But nevertheless, Thomas returns to the disciples and they tell him about Jesus' miraculous reappearance. Thomas, of course, replies that unless he touches the holes in Jesus' hands and side for himself, he will not believe in the resurrection. So Thomas is torn. He is torn between the physical realities he witnessed firsthand of Jesus' trial and death. And then on the other hand, between the spiritual possibility of Jesus rising again, as Jesus himself told Thomas and the others many times. Half of Thomas really wants to believe in this life after death, while the other half of him wants to see the proof for himself. There's a pretty obvious reason, I think, why year after year our series of readings includes this story of doubting Thomas. It's not just because this story supposedly follows right after Easter Sunday's events, but I think because we as an Easter people often feel the same split in our hearts as Thomas did. On Easter Sunday, we rejoice, feeling as high as the kites that caress those rafters in the sanctuary. We soak in the much-needed joy and hope from the risen Christ. On the other hand, we also wake up the next day still living in this very complex and challenging world. 
We flip on the morning news and see footage of destruction and violence in places like Ukraine. And here at home, we may face another week of stress and uncertainty. Perhaps some of us have a relative who is dying or a parent who can no longer live alone. Others of us may have a dream that's fading before our eyes, like the dream to get out of debt or the dream to help a relative out of an addiction. Many of us are in some way torn between the troubles of our current realities and the promise of a new reality in the risen Christ that seems too good to be true. And so even though we might hear and celebrate the story of Jesus' resurrection, we can still look around with worry and seek out, as Thomas did, some tangible proof of hope. Thomas gets a bad rap for his doubt, but really asking questions and looking for evidence is a key part of our human nature and our ability to keep learning and growing as a species. I mean, let me just ask the scientists and engineers in the room, what's the first step of the scientific method? You make observations so you can form a question and then a hypothesis. Or teachers and parents, let me ask you, what's one word that toddlers oftentimes repeat over and over throughout the day? Besides, of course, mama and no. <laughs> they ask, why? You ask them to go brush their teeth in the morning. Why? You tell them, well, we're going to church. Why? You remind them they can only have one donut hole. Why? Making observations, forming questions, gathering evidence. It's how we interact with the world and make meaning in it. It's when we stop asking questions and when we put on blinders that we stop learning and stop deepening our understanding of the world around us. Faith is no different. To deepen our faith and our relationship with God, we need to keep asking questions. We need a faith that actively seeks understanding. We need a mind that wonders why and how. These questions, sometimes labeled as doubts or concerns, are not stop signs or road bumps on our journey of faith. Instead, I think they can be quite helpful guideposts for traveling a more authentic, humble road towards God and navigating those tough paths in everyday life. I can think of one man in particular whose doubts and questions about God served his faith quite well. This man had lived through several inexplicable tragedies, including the premature death of his mother and wife to cancer, as well as living through the senseless violence in the trenches of World War I. He grew up in the Catholic tradition, but the more he experienced in the world and the more trauma he saw, the less he truly believed a good God really existed. For some time, in fact, he thought of God as just as mythical as maybe the gods and goddesses in Norse mythology. But instead of tossing the concept of God and all of his doubts and questions about God aside, he tucked those questions away and he saved them for conversations with good friends. 
Friends he trusted to listen and not judge. Friends who were not afraid to put the Bible on a table side by side with a book of myths and wonder about their similarities and differences. These conversations went on for years, but through them, C.S. Lewis wound his way, in his words, kicking and struggling back to God. I mention C.S. Lewis as an example because of the ways that his theology has helped countless others, perhaps even some of you, to develop a deeper sense of faith in relationship with God. It was a journey of faith that he could not help but embed in his classic children's series, The Chronicles of Narnia. And he went on to share his story more explicitly in his essays on mere Christianity. Both Lewis and the disciple Thomas show us how doubt can be a path to faith. One might even call doubt and faith twins in the sense that a supposed split or a source of weakness in our belief can maybe come to be a source of strength. If only we might have the courage to doubt. And if only we might have the courage to explore those doubts and questions with good friends. C.S. Lewis and Thomas also show us one more critical feature of our faith journeys. The doubt is not only our path to God, but it is also God's path to us. Whether we find ourselves physically hiding behind locked doors as the disciples were, or whether we're spiritually hiding behind psychological doors, God will keep showing up. Jesus will keep appearing to us, ready to share with us the good news of his peace and God's unrelenting love. God will not give up on us until we too can exclaim over and over again, my Lord and my God, like we're seeing God for the very first time. So yes, doubt and belief really are a remarkable set of twins. Amen.
Let's pray these words together that Jesus taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial, and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Go now in peace, friends, knowing that you are loved, your questions are holy, and God is with you always. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast, and thanks for your support of the ministries of St. Paul Lutheran Church. Our commitment to projects that lend hope to other people stretches across the country and around the world. We hope that in a good way you feel a part of that reach. Tune in next Thursday for another edition of the St. Paul Podcast.